Hey now, as Christian would say, welcome back to the You Need a Horror Podcast. This is Nick. I am coming at you today with always Christian, Christian Hanahora. How you doing, my friend? I'm here. I'm doing good. I'm freshly showered, uh, so Dave's not smelling me right now. Uh, I feel good, dude. It's actually a nice day in Louisiana for once. I uh, just had some rain, so uh, I'm old because I'm talking about we just had rain. Welcome mm. to the 30s, but I'm good, dude. I'm good, and uh, we've got a fantastic guest with us today. Yeah, I was, uh, I was like, and uh, don't let me forget the uh, magnificent, in my opinion, I've been watching him for years, Dave McRae. Dave, thank you for coming on to the podcast. How are you, my friend? No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate the flattery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just turned 43 yesterday, so any flattery I can get, I will take. Uh, so no, but this is me. great. This is great. Sorry. Yeah, how- so you look better than me, dude. Well, you know, it's, uh, you must drink a lot of water. Uh, when I do these shows, I do. That is true. That is true. Uh, no, I am relatively healthy. I don't, I don't smoke. I don't, I don't do drugs or, or, uh, you know, eat poorly. I run, I've been running since I was 16. Um, so, and I just shaved today too. So maybe that's why. All right, all right, so Dave, here. listen to me real quick. This is getting off the rails. Just give me a second, Nick. Dave, listen to me, dude. I run. I, I lost a ton of weight in my teens. Granted, I was getting older. I was losing baby fat, but I transformed mm-hmm. myself, man. I was a heavy set kid. Good to for this you. day, I run five miles, about five miles a day, four to five times a week. My diet, Dave, I started doing HelloFresh. So I'm eating these nice just pork chops and asparagus and stuff like that. My problem, Dave, is sometimes late at night I can't help myself. Do you? I think. What is your day? What is your? What is your daily? Because I could tell you're a fit dude. I mean, you look great. You know, you, like I said, you you really do look better. What is your thing, dude? What is what is your daily? Your daily meal plan. What do you do? Well, uh, when I was younger, when I was in high school and college, I was very fit. I was, I was ripped. I had a six pack and I had about 15 and a half inch arms, which is not very big if you're six foot two, but if you're five foot eight like me, that's pretty good. Um, and you know, I played 13 years of ice hockey and, and so I was on a bit of a regiment there as well. Now, you know, being in your forties, I mean, I'm not really sort of, you know, doing it for, I mean, I'm not playing hockey anymore, although I'd love to. Um, so I'm not training as vigorously as I did say 25 years ago, uh, where I'd be having, you know, lots of protein and having sort of, you know, all kinds of stuff. But, you know, to, I just watch what I eat, right? I'm a firm believer that it is not what you eat. It is how much of what you eat. And uh, it's all about portions. It sounds like an overused cliche, but it's true. And if you want to have that bag of chips, have that bag of chips, but you can't have a bag of chips every day. You know, it's just the reality of what it is. So for me, an average day for me, I'd get up in the morning, I'd have, a, you know, maybe two slices of toast, some peanut butter and a banana and a glass of orange juice, you know, and then in the afternoon, I might have, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, I'll take a can of salmon, mix it with some mayonnaise, put it in a bowl and just eat it like that. Really great stuff. Don't have the bread because I had the bread in the morning with the toast, right? Um, and then I'll have, have some water or maybe some juice, just, you know, small kind of thing. And then um, if I want a snack, maybe a few almonds or something like that, uh, some raisins maybe, mix the almonds and the raisins in the palm of your hand, great snack. Um, and then for dinner, you know, I'm having, you know, I'll have uh, maybe I'll 
cook up a burger, don't have the bun. If I want to have the bun, I skip the toast and I wait for the bread at night. You know what I mean? Um, But I'll have a burger and then I'll have like maybe some cheese on the side and a pickle and a nice salad or something like that. And, And it's not like I eat that. That is just me all the time. But what's great is that when you do eat like that on a regular basis and you lose some weight, because I was just saying on my own channel that, um, again, I'm only five foot eight, but I had weighed myself about two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I guess it was. No, it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. I don't know. They bleed into each other. Um, but I stood on the scale and I saw 157. And I haven't seen 157 since I was like in high school. My high school weight was 155, but I was cut. You know what I mean? Um, and I was like, 157? Holy crap. Most of my adult life has been around 167, 165, which isn't big, um, uh, you know, for five foot eight, but because I'm only 5'8", losing 12 pounds is more noticeable than if you're six foot two and 240 pounds and you lose 12 pounds, right? Right. So, um, so I was like, wow, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And, um, cause I want to get back to 155. I was like, that'd be great. High school weight at 43. That's amazing. But the great thing is that when you do that, when you are, uh, pretty consistent and you don't cheat too often, it affords you the luxury to cheat when you have to cheat. I got a barbecue coming up. It's somebody's birthday coming up. They're going to have cake. They're going to have chips. Super Bowl's coming up, right? The Stanley Cup's coming up. Going to have a party. Going to go. It affords you to do that, you know, because you're like, hey, I can do that, you know, because I've I've been so disciplined uh, there on in, and, and and that's what I was like in high school and in college, and that's kind of how I've been in my head now for the last few months. Uh, ever since I noticed that I was kind of pushing my 5k to 7k, which I think is about four something miles, almost five miles, or yeah, four and a half miles, maybe something like that. Um, but that's it, man. Just watching wow. what you eat, watching what you eat. Yeah. See, I, I, I'm so jealous of Nick. Nick's, Nick's really, really close to my age. So it's not like Nick's a baby or anything, but I just hit 30 and Dave, I'm telling you, my metabolism is gone. I I really, it really, I really noticed it in the last year, man. And I'm just like, keep in mind, if you're eating after seven or eight at night, and, you know, I think what it is, too, is that we'd be surprised how many calories are in shit. You'd be surprised how many, you know, you think you're just having a little snack. But if you were to actually calorie count, and you don't want to get obsessive over it, because then it just becomes obsessive and, you know, it's eating is no longer fun. Um, but if you pay close attention to the snack you're having, you'd be surprised to go, holy shit, there's 300 calories in that? You've just added 300 calories to your day at nine o'clock at night, and then you're going to bed. You know what I mean? And then it just sits there. And your you body's going to use this fat because it has no use right. for it. Yeah, That's right. I, yeah. That's right. So snacking is big. Snacking is big. If you can limit your snacking, you'd be surprised how much weight comes off. Well, Christian, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too jealous of of me. No, you look good though. You look great. Yeah, but but see, the thing is, is like my my wife tells me all the time as well. She's like, you're very lucky with your metabolism, and it just kind of runs in my family. You know, I'm 27. I'll be 28 later this year, so I know very soon this is going to start to slow down. But <laughs> right now, it hasn't. Right. So. You know, but um, I'm 175. Um, I've been one, but I'm six foot four. Yeah, we're about so, the same. You know, about the go. same weight. That's where I'm yeah. at. I want to be Dave's weight. I'm I'm five eleven. I'm right under six foot. If I stand up really straight, I'm six foot. Right. I want to get down to 160, something like that, man. I just, you can do it. But but you know, Dave, it's like I can run, brother. I'm telling you, I can run, and I do. I love it. You're probably just like me, man. You put that podcast on or that album, you go and you get that runner's high. I still get it. I just got to get the diet situated. Yeah. And, and, and 
you, you'd be surprised that um, at the end of the day, exercise is important, of course, especially if you're losing weight. If you want to lose weight, exercise, cardio is important. But you can lose a lot of weight with not exercising and just changing your diet. So you'd be surprised on how much of it is what you put into your you know, into your body. Um, so if you are exercising, that's great. But if you're countering that with high calories, especially after eight or nine at night, it defeats the purpose, right? It's like going right. for a run, working out and then going to KFC. It's like, you know, you, what you, you can't, what are you yeah. doing? Unless you've lost so much weight and everything's great, then you can afford to do that once in a while because you're, you're on the other end. You know what I mean? And it's not like you're going to gain 30 pounds by doing that once. Uh, but a lot of people tend to do that, you know, oh, I'm great. I've worked out. Let's go to Burger King. It's like, no, you can't do that yet. You haven't earned that yet. You know? <laughs> well, it, it, all right. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give this back to Nick. I'm sorry, Nick. But like, honestly, I needed this right now. I needed to, I just needed to talk to somebody because I know everything Dave's saying. I'm a smart guy. I know what he's yeah. saying, but it's good to like hear. It's good to hear and see it from somebody and say, you got, you just got to do it, brother. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, Nick, take just it back. Just got to do it. Consistency. No. Yeah, yeah you are fine, Christian. I, it's not often you you know, at least in our experience that we've gotten to talk to Dave. So, you know, when you get a chance, that's okay. Why the hell not. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. And if you want to cut this up in its own separate health and wellness podcast, you can do that. That's this is the problem. That's good Dave. Too. It's like I watch I, I watch your <laughs> channel. I've I've seen your video. So it's like I, I I don't know you, but I feel like I I feel like I do. I feel like I can ask you this stuff. Sure. You know I mean? Yeah. I'm a personable guy. Go ahead. Yeah. Right, well, one of the, well, one of the greatest things I, to what you just mentioned, Christian, one of the things about Dave in, in his channel that over the years I've always noticed is he is very much himself in his videos and unapologetically so. And he makes points to say that all the time, whether it's his impressions, whether it's him, you know, just kind of really letting his uh, your freak flag fly like it's just kind of like dude this is me like if you guys resonate if it resonates with you that's fantastic if it doesn't i don't give a shit like and and i think that that is so the authenticity definitely bleeds through to where when we sit here and talk to him i feel like we can have we can just have intelligent conversation we could also just bullshit it doesn't really matter i just feel like i've got a sense for you am i right dave am i wrong yeah for sure no for sure for sure i i you know i bullshit yeah well <laughs> yeah there there you go um no i mean I, you know i've i've always said that i i mean i've had my youtube channel since 2006 but i never started using it and putting my face out there in the ways that i have now since about 2017 and it was my girlfriend my wife, essentially, because we've been together for so long, uh, who pushed me to, to do that and to, to really, you know, put me out there and, and, and do that because in 2016 or 17, it was announced that Blumhouse was going to be doing another Halloween film. And, uh, I believe it was in 2016, maybe 2017, somewhere in and around there, it was announced that John Carpenter was coming back to executive produce and do the music and blah, blah, blah. And I needed to vent. I needed to vent about this and talk about it. And so I just used you. I had, I wasn't doing it to gain subscribers or, or, or subs or anything like that. I did it to sort of like a virtual or a video diary, a vlog, so to speak. Right. Um, just to kind of get it off my chest, get what I needed to say out there and let the chips fall where they may. If people watch, great. If they don't, well, it doesn't really matter to me because I've gotten it out of me. And now it's sort of, you know, down on paper and, um, and it's great. Uh, but people started to watch and people started 
to tune in because I started to do videos that I think were analyzing the, not that people haven't analyzed the original Halloween before, but I, I, I was bringing a bit of, you know, I was bringing my personality to it. I was bringing some, some fun to it, the theatrics to it, right? Um, being, you know, loud and, crazy and but still delivering really you know at least what i think was good information and and it seemed to sort of catch on and and then you know the rest is history and and uh and it's become a really sort of uh, interesting side hobby it's been it's been fun more on that later yeah yeah we, we'll get there um <laughs> i, I want to say you know what you say when and whenever you talk about halloween dave as you can see behind me i'm very unfamiliar with that franchise i don't even know anything you know i can see that what the hell it's it's uh it's funny because there is a group of youtubers that you know and i've heard you talk about it i've heard lee talk about it where people will refer to you as a halloween guy and it's like mm-hmm. it's it's almost like sometimes most times it's a term of like endearment and and but a lot of time not a lot of times but sometimes it's the term of like oh it's a halloween guy i can't say certain things to this guy because he's a halloween guy right dave correct me if i'm wrong at least the impression i've gotten over the years with you is there's only a few movies in this franchise that you really hold pretty near and dear and there's a lot of them you think are just kind of like yeah i could totally do without that i mean the perfect the thing i think of is when you did that short I believe it was a short or it was just a short video of like how you felt about each Halloween movie by saying the title. And that should tell you exactly. <laughs> Did you see that? Chris? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. So as a whole, right, it's really the first one and, and, and Halloween two to a degree as well. And then everything else is just kind of like, there's a couple that are, eh, but most of it's just, I could do without the rest of it. Yes, that's true. Um, and I've made no apologies for it. I, I think, um, but at the same time, I think one of the things that has, you know, I, I, um, I like to have fun and I'm a very theatrical person. I'm an actor. That's who I am. I'm a voice actor. Uh, that's my day to day job. I've been in the entertainment industry for 21 years and I was doing that long before I was on YouTube. I was doing that before YouTube existed. So I just bring who I am to YouTube. I'm not doing this because I'm on YouTube. I'm, that's who I am. I mean, you know, it's not like I'm loud and, you know, um, like that all the time. Uh, you can't be like that all the time or there's no credibility. Uh, but in terms of the theatrics and being on camera and having fun and the voices and things like that, you know, I, I, I oversell it for the sake of entertainment. So, you know, I often say I'm not a big fan of Halloween five. I don't like that movie. So I could say something like, I just don't like, I just don't like it. I'm not a fan of the movie. Or I could say it's dog shit. It's absolute dog. Sh- I could go there. I prefer and that. that at what, right. And, and so some people don't, right? It depends. Hey, we all have different personalities. We all have different people we gravitate towards. And, you know, sometimes that's too much for somebody. And I totally understand that. It's too much. He's loud. I, 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 this is too much. I'm going to go watch somebody else. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's just the, that's the actor in me, right? That's the performer in me. And Dave, you know, I can't not do it. I mean, I'm on camera, right? And I exert so much energy. And when the camera goes off and the microphone goes off, it's like, 
and I'm quiet and I go out and I have a sandwich and I sit down and I play with my cat. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a performance really at the end of the day. Not, not that I'm not being truthful, but it's a performance. So yes, it's true. What you're saying is absolutely true. But for the movies that I don't like, I definitely oversell it for the sake of entertainment. Um, because I think that's just more fun to watch. I, I think Dave's line is that I always think of is it's dog shit. Exactly how he says it too. <laughs> right, like that right. is, it's just dog it's, shit. That's yes. right. And, uh, you know, we had viewers when we announced that we were going to be having you on. So many people were in the comments like, oh, Nick, can't wait to hear you talk about Halloween 5 with Dave. And it's like, to the listeners, we're not going to talk about Halloween 5 extensively because <laughs> um, people know Dave isn't a big fan. I am a big fan, but I will never objectively say it's an objectively good film. Uh, Don't I be do. scared of Dave. What is Dave going to do? No, 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 no. Tell no, Dave it's a great <laughs> fucking movie. It's, it's, I have a blast with it, but I've, I said it on our commentary, Chris objectively i can't look someone in the face and say this is a fucking masterpiece i, I think it's a masterpiece I, I think it's i think it's and i sincerely mean this i think it's great that you love the movie because you know it, it adds so much um character and 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 sort of um uh adds so much color to 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 having the debate or, or talking about it or the community. I mean, you know, if everybody agrees that this, and there's some films out there that are like that, if everybody agrees that something is, you know, dog shit or something's not very good, then that movie just sort of wastes away into obscurity because there isn't a debate about it. There isn't a general consensus about it. Now, the, generally speaking, there's a general consensus that five is not well liked, but it does have its fans like you right there. Halloween Resurrection, another one I think is dog shit, has its fans, right? But I think it's, there you go. I think it's always fun though, when somebody says uh, that they like it. And I think one of the things that I've been met with too, and it's understandable, I've often said it's understandable. I've been accused of being, you know, arrogant, condescending, pretentious, all those things. Um, I, I think it's just, you know, when you tune into somebody or when you watch somebody, you really want you know, and there's nothing wrong with this. We want people we really like to like the things we like too, right? You know, it, it makes us feel connected. It makes us feel part of a community. Right. And there's nothing worse than when somebody you really admire or look up to or whatever the case is. And it doesn't have to be on YouTube. It can be your best friend. It can be a teacher. It can be your mom or dad. When you find out that somebody you either look up to or watch all the time or who you really like doesn't, not just doesn't like a movie you adore, but loathes it, and then spends like 15 minutes talking about how much garbage it is, that can be really hard for some people. You know, it can be, it's like, oh, I like this guy and he's talking, oh my God, he's being so, oh my God. I can't. You know, and it can be really hard. And I know I've turned off a lot of people because of that, but, uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is. You know, you can't, you know, you can't please everybody. You've got to, you've got to be you, you know. That's so, right. That's but- right. To anybody that isn't familiar with Dave, um, I know probably a lot of you guys are, but um, Dave got into the game. I, I, I want to get this right. So I believe you've talked about your dad a lot before and how he was, um, you know, I believe, was he a, was he a journalist in uh, Canada? Very Yes, well he was. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a journalist and a columnist. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so yeah, and then Dave came up, uh, and was it, did you start as voice acting, or did you just go for acting, and then, you know, over time go, voice acting is what I'd rather do? No, so um, I've, I've, 
as I've often said on my own channel, I grew up in a media family. And so, um, you know, growing up with my dad, who was a terrific writer, he passed away 12 years ago, uh, no, 11 years ago. Um, but he was the kind of writer that you either loved or you didn't like. He could make you cry one day because of something he wrote that was just so amazing. And then he could piss you off the next day, you know, um, he was one of those kinds of people. And, um, so I got a real perspective of media and entertainment and, and, you know, I met all sorts of celebrities and sports athletes and all that kind of stuff from a very young age. I never had an interest in pursuing journalism. Um, my younger sister did, and she went to school for it. Her husband did as well, but I never, I never did. But, I, but my dad was a very theatrical person, you know, doing all the voices and the, you know, all this kind of that. He could do all those things. That's where I get it from is my father and, uh, very theatrical. And of course my dad was on the radio as well and on TV as well. And so I, but so I come from that kind of a family, a very theatrical family, the kind of family that if you're sitting down for dinner at Christmas or Thanksgiving and you're shy, well, you're going to be left out in the cold. It's the kind of thing where everybody's talking over each other. You just got to jump in. You can't wait for your turn. You got to jump in. It's that kind of family, right? So very theatrical, very boisterous. And, um, and I was always into drama and I was on the improv team in high school and, and, uh, I loved movies from a very young age. I loved movies and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to be a director, even though I loved the acting and performing and all that kind of stuff too. I was, I just wanted to make movies and myself and my friend Bruce, of course, when we were teenagers, we made a bunch of home movies that I still have on. VHS somewhere. I got to digitize those because those would be fun to share. Uh, God, they're awful, but I mean, they'd be fun to share. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and well, actually, you know what? They're not awful. I, I can't say that. They're not awful. You can certainly tell from a very young age that you got, you know, that we knew what we were doing. They're home movies, but you can tell, well, that's, that's a good shot. Or, you know, if I do say so myself. Um, but so I knew that I wanted to pursue a career in the arts somewhere. And I went to film school uh, in the late 90s. I went to college because that's what I wanted to do. I went to Niagara College in Welland, Ontario, Canada, about 25 minutes outside of Niagara Falls. And I took radio, television, and film. I did not graduate. I did two years and dropped out because the work for me was just too much. There was so, so much work, so many classes. Because you don't just have your film, right? You got your English and your computers and your broadcast management, your broadcast journalism and your current event. There was just so much. Obviously, people graduate from the program, so it's not too much for some people, but or for most people, maybe. But for me, it was just too much. So I decided to drop out and decide to pursue my career from a different angle. And that's when I moved to Toronto to live with my mom and uh, sort of get a part-time job and get going on the on-camera stuff. I, I was thought, you know what, I'm going to get a, or going to give a crack at the on-camera stuff to be an actor. And that's what I did. I, I got, so this is about 2001. Uh, so that's when I first entered the entertainment industry. That's where I look at my first sort of professional venture into the world. Got a professional agent and I started going on auditions and I did some commercials and some docu docudramas. And um, yeah, and then in about 2003, was it? Three or four, only a couple of years later, I broke my tooth playing road hockey. Uh, street hockey for the, for my American friends. Uh, such a Canadian thing. And, um, 
so long story short, uh, obviously I couldn't do any on camera auditions because, you know, I got a hole in my face and I got to figure, unless it was for hockey, maybe, but, uh, so I had to, um, put the on camera aside and until I got my teeth fixed. And in that time, my agent said, well, why don't I put you on some voiceover auditions? I loved voiceover. When I was a kid, I did funny voices, recording myself into a tape recorder and playing it back and doing all sorts of crazy sound effects and stuff. So I said, yeah, of course. I had my own show on the college radio station. Not that that's voiceover, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, but I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I did. And I never looked back. And uh, that was what propelled me into the world of professional voiceover and voice acting. It's acting, but it's behind a microphone. Oh, and, no. Uh, and I definitely would never, ever, for anybody that isn't familiar with Dave's voice acting work, I, I watched the entire reel on IMDb, and I sent it to Christian on your IMDb page because I really wanted to hear mm. – kind of your range and whatnot no it, it takes some serious serious skill i would imagine and, and dave i've got i've got to compliment you on this there is some serious range to what you've got you go from your the like the ghost hunters type promos where you're very like ominous and very like oh spooky mm. and then one of my favorite i think my favorite one on the reel was the air hogs one i mean that oh, one was insane. air hogs yeah i mean i was like that's dave like what but it's then you're like, no, i can kind of i can hear that yeah i have so, to you know what that reel on imdb i have to update because that actually i think is from i don't know that 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 reel might be five or six years old now it, it would be great to update that and add to it or refresh it uh yeah. so yeah i should probably i forgot there was a reel on there yeah i totally there's forgot a reel. there's a reel and, on imdb i think the, i think big hero six is on there too and yes yes i think yeah, yeah. yep and i would christian i was going to throw this to you because christian anytime we've had anybody that has worked in the industry on here before Christian's very like curious about certain inner workings of the industry. Christian, hearing like Dave talk and hearing out like how he came up and what he's doing right now, is there anything like that popped in your head that you're like, man, I'm I'm really curious about this? Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm just like I, I'm 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 wondering like vo with voice acting, is that is that something you can learn? I have no idea how to how you how, how voice acting works. Obviously, besides being something you're not with your voice, but like. How, how does this work? Is this something you have to train your body to do to, is there any kind of physicality with like the diaphragm and stuff when doing different, I have no idea. I've never talked to a voice actor before. So this is all so new to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, yes and no. So, uh, you know, when it comes to voiceover, one of the biggest things that people have to learn if you're starting out one of the biggest misconceptions about voiceover is that it has everything to do with the sound of your voice. It has very little to do with the sound of your voice. Now, that's not to say that having a deep voice or a sexy voice or a nice voice or a radio voice uh, may not help in one particular area, perhaps. But there are voice actors out there right now who have great voices, great voices, who are struggling to make any kind of career out of it. And at the same time, there are voice actors out there right now who have seemingly average voices who are hugely successful. And the reason for that discrepancy is because this is about your acting and performing abilities. Now, when it comes to voiceover, obviously where you're really going to notice the acting and performing is in the world of animation. 
Uh, but even if you're doing network promos or movie trailers or, you know, TV narration, radio and television commercials, you're always, in my opinion anyway, playing some sort of fictional version of yourself. So understanding how to interpret copy, understanding how to make the read conversational so it sounds like you're not reading from a script, you're just thinking the words, you know, as they come to you, like you're just having a conversation like this, those tiny nuances and, you know, idiosyncrasies and things like that, how to take direction. That takes years of practice. Is it something that can be learned? It can, but as I often say, you can teach technique, but you can't teach talent. You either have it or you don't. And that's not, you know, it's a, it's a reality of the entertainment business and the entertainment industry. If you are a naturally, if you are a born performer, naturally, you know, gifted in that area, um, then you will already be a step ahead of those who are more shy, more reserved, more timid, but maybe have an interest in, you know, trying it out or what have you. So um, it's a tough reality because it sounds like I'm saying that it's not everybody can achieve it, but that's exactly what I'm saying. Not everybody can. It's the entertainment industry. You are hired based on how good you are. And uh, so, yes, if you have a natural gift for it, um, then absolutely. And with animation, it's not about just doing funny voices. It's about creating characters. And so, you know, I can go like, hey, what's going on? And have like a, you know, an old man voice. Uh, and that's something I've perfected for years. All right. But what does he sound like when he's sad? What does he sound like when he's laughing? What does he sound like when he's angry? You know, what, what, who, who is he? What are his fears? What does he look like? You know, anybody can do a funny voice, but it's really about creating characters when it comes to animation. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. There's a lot to learn. I always tell people that if you're interested in uh, pursuing voiceover, you have to first figure out, do you want to dabble in it as a hobby or do you want to pursue it as a career? Because, it, because those are two completely different set of scenarios that you're going to be two completely different paths. If you want to pursue it as a career and play with the big boys, well, you know, now, now we're talking show business. And, but if you want to just dabble in it and do your friend's podcast or your neighbor's, you know, birthday card or whatever, or, or, or get paid for it because you did a little local, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. And, and, and the, that might be the path of least resistance. But, uh, but if you want to pursue it professionally, the things I've talked about here in terms of it's not about your voice, it's about your acting and performing abilities. If you've never taken an acting class, Take an acting class. Learn the art of acting, even if you're pursuing voiceover. Take an improv class. You know, maybe those are the first things that you should take before you make the leap into a voiceover class or a voiceover workshop. Don't worry about agents and managers and demos if you've never done voiceover in your life. That comes last. I've had people say, how do I get an agent? I'm like, do you have a demo? No. Well, then don't worry about it. Because the first thing, you know, an agent's going to ask you is, do you have a demo? Because the voiceover demo is the voice acting equivalent of an on-camera actor's headshot, you know, so there's no point, you know, and a demo is just, if you don't got the training, if you, if you don't like the sound of your own voice, when you hear it played back to you, the last thing you need to worry about is demos. And so there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of, in terms of like, you know, the diaphragm and all that kind of stuff, I've never had to worry about that stuff. I just go in and do my thing, but that's just because I, I, I naturally have that gift, but also because I've been doing it for so many years. 
How long did it take you before? Because you, you 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 come across like you're a confident guy and you're good at what you do. And it's clear. I've listened. To, Nick's right. Your stuff's great. How long did it take you where you where you said to yourself, I, "I've got this. I, I I'm good at what I do. Give me the job, whatever it is. I, I'm going to do it." In voiceover. In voiceover. Um. Well, I always knew that I was good at it. I think I had a lot of um evidence for it you know when i was in high school i i did a lot of high school announcements and you know the trailer voice and all that kind of stuff or i would host you know fashion shows or i was you know i made the improv team without even auditioning they just put me on the improv team because i was so good uh so there was always a lot of evidence from my peers as a at a very young age that i had talent Right. Um, and they wanted to utilize that. So I knew, and, and of course, you know, you just know you're very good. It, it's, it's instinctual a lot of the time. Uh, and, and you just know what you're good at. You know what you're not good at, um, which is very important as well. And, um, I don't know if there was ever a moment. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Um, at least I can't think of anything off the top of my head. It's just very instinctual. You just feel it. You know, you feel and you know if you're good at something, you have confidence. It's not arrogance. It's, it's, it's you, you have confidence in your abilities. And I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that for anybody to have confidence in their abilities. You can make it arrogant, of course, but, um, if you're confident, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, uh, like I said, I knew where my strengths were and I knew where my strengths weren't. Like, for example, as I've often said on my own channel, uh, one, one of my areas of weakness, per se, when it comes to voiceover would be doing authentic foreign accents. So if I was hired to, you know, really play like somebody who sounded like they were from Paris or sounded like they were from, you know, uh, I don't know, England or, or you know, uh, a Yorkshire accent or, you know, whatever, I can do characters where it sounds like that's an accent. That's somebody who's foreign, but it's because the pressure's off and it doesn't have to sound exact in terms of the dialect and the emphasis and things like that. So authentic accents, um, is something that I just never really sort of gravitated towards because I much preferred, I much preferred doing funny characters. Uh, so it's just about knowing what you're good at, what you're not and being confident in, in your skill set. Nice. Yeah. And as Dave said, you know, there's obviously a difference in it between arrogance and confidence in anything that you do, guys. And it does not make somebody arrogant that they are confident in what they do. And so right. no shaming of that. People need to pat themselves on the back every now and then. We we need more of that. Like, hey, I'm not a piece of shit. Like, right. it's nice <laughs> for us to do that. So, yeah. But there's a few things I wanted to cover with you this evening, Dave. And the sure. first one I, we got to cover and it, it's it's the lead up to Halloween 2018. Okay. You said yeah. that's what really jump started you putting yourself out there on your channel. And you, you got to know that you were in a very enviable position to be able to go to that world premiere. You know, a lot of Halloween fans were like this son of a bitch, like Dave's going to know all this stuff for a month and he's not going to the 2018 film. You mean? Yes. Yes. The yeah. 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 Film. And yeah. we knew, and I was one of those people that I was like, damn it. Like this guy's going to see it. He's going to know. And he's not going to tell I'm us. I'm going to know, baby. And, yeah, oh, and I'm going to know. I'm telling you, Christian, <laughs> he comes out and he does this super vague tweet afterward. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was very vague about his general thoughts on the movie and basically ended it with, I'll talk more about it basically when I can. It was like just enough to get you to go like, I kind of get a read on how he felt, but 
more or less just like, I'm not telling you guys shit. And I was like, damn it. So I want to know, because from my experience from watching you, I watched Halloween 2018. I was let down the first time I watched it. As time has gone on, I have settled with it. I, I think it's a very competently put together movie. But it just there's just something that it lacks for me that I can't put it, you know, top three. Christian was someone that saw it, said this is the best thing since sliced bread and then saw it a few more times was like, it's really not, though. Dave, you were someone that (laughs) you were someone that was like, yeah, it's good. You know, it's good. It's well made. And but I feel like it was one of those movies for you, too, that. Do you feel like we as Halloween fans might have hyped ourselves up a little bit too much going into that movie? Do you feel like there was a little no. bit too much? No. Are you kidding? Fans <laughs> no. hyping themselves up Especially too much? Especially not Halloween fans, Dave. No. That, I don't think that's ever happened in the history of cinema. No. No. Um, yeah, I, I was very fortunate to uh, see it with Bruce at the World premiere uh, at TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, one of the most prestigious in the world. And uh, we were able to get uh, tickets and and uh, got very good seats. I think we were about, I don't know, five or six. Well, I, I have, there's a video on my channel where I cover the whole lead up and the, the evening and we go out for dinner. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think we were at the end of the video, you you see, um, I'm filming Curtis and Blum and Malik and everybody on the stage. I think we're only like six or seven rows from the stage. It was really good seats. And um, so very excited. I mean, I'm a huge Halloween fan, my favorite horror movie of all time. Uh, I'm a fan of the original when they said they were going. And I even, you know, I like part two, not as much as the first one, but I like part two. I like that, you know, package, the uh, the double bill there. And, uh, but when they said they were going to negate two, I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. Well, if you do that, you negate the brother, sister story. Oh, okay. You go back to the original intent. And, well, this might be interesting. This should be interesting. Interesting. Interesting experiment. Okay. I'm in. Let's do it. Um, yes, I, 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 I didn't hate the movie. And I even said that in my review for it. I, I didn't hate it. It's, it's competently made. The score is fantastic. You know, I thought the performances were great. I thought James Jude Courtney just knocked it out of the park as Michael Myers in terms of his performance, the nuances of, of, of the walk and the, you know, what he did was, was great. Um, but it didn't feel like a Halloween movie. And, and here's, here's the problem that, here's the problem with the Halloween series is and it's the problem with any series when you continue to make sequels and sequels and sequels it's inevitable that you will run into this uh but it's specifically difficult with halloween um when you say i was let me first say i was very disappointed um because you could say well you didn't have your fanboy expectations met and i guess from a certain point of view that's true I had expectations, but were they fanboy expectations? I don't know. I would like to consider myself a pretty astute person when it comes to film and the filmmaking process um, as a filmmaker myself. Um, And I would like to think that, I mean, listen, I'm not, you know, um, I am totally privy to all the fanboy feelings and and i'm a fan right we're all fans we there's certain things we want to see you know certain things we don't want to see but when you say you're making a direct sequel to the original halloween only 
there's a lot of things that as a filmmaker, because I just did a direct sequel to Black Christmas, yeah. there's a lot of things that I sit back and I go, okay, what do we need to do to make this feel like Black Christmas? Like the connective tissue is there while still pushing the narrative forward. Now, in fairness, Billy is only the first half of a two-part story. So if it feels incomplete, that is because it is. Um, but the principle of what I'm saying is the same. So when I watch Halloween 18, there was just certain things about how they, and listen, I understand why they did it this way. You know, it's 2018. It's not 1978 anymore, Dave. You know, you got to get over it. They're not going to do this. They're not going to do that. They're not going to, I get it. I understand it. They didn't even repeat it in 81. But the character of Michael is, there's certain um, character motivation. And I don't mean his motive, but character motivation in terms of how you write the character and what you have him do. Um, and you know, it, it, it feels, I just didn't get enough of that 1978 Michael Myers in the shadows, the lurking, the stalking. And just when there was a stalking scene that began, it quickly ended, you know, with this great piece of music. And we got one scene where he was, lur- I think the best 1978 moment in 2018 was when he was in the backyard with Oscar. You know, and Oscar's kind of looking over at him and he's standing there and then he looks back and they look and he's gone. All of a sudden he's in front of him, you know, with the lights going on and off. And, and, you know, again, you don't want to just make the same movie over again. You want to push the narrative forward, but it's about understanding who the, and and I'm not saying that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride don't. There's a lot of people that love the movie and it's competently made. There's, there's some good things in that movie to like. There's definitely good things in that movie to like. But overall, I was like, I don't know. Like if I was writing the bathroom scene, for example, right with Aaron and Dana, I, you know, I understand that they structured the story in a way where maybe that scene had to happen during the day. But if I was writing it, I I would think, well, let's have this scene happen at night. Let's have it happen at night. You know, Dana and the biggest problem of that scene is that it is in the day. It is a super effective scene. And the fact that I think and Christian, you and I have talked about this, seeing that moment in the theater for me the first time, I was like, this feels like real violence. Like this feels real. And I I felt super bad for the characters. And I don't get that a lot in these movies because sometimes it's just over the top. But you're not able to shroud your monster when it's in broad daylight in a public bathroom. And I feel like. Also, they did some things stylistically in that that I wouldn't have done. Um, right. I agree. Through slits in the doors to where you can get glimpses of his face. I'm just like, I don't need that. I don't want that. Right. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I completely understand where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, no. It, and it's if you were to structure, you know, rest- that would be my instinct, right? My instinct. That would be my instinctual sort of feeling if I was writing that scene. This has got to be at night because we can utilize all of the things that make Michael Myers, Michael Myers. And yes, we're going to be able to do that later in the movie at night too. I get that. It's just a difference in creative decisions. You know, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's just that when I think of going back to the original Michael Myers and the last time we saw him was when he disappeared off, you know, off the bat and he's gone. This is the Michael we're bringing in. And if you were to have that scene take place at night, the bathroom door could swing open. You could have just like this light above that's going, you know, whatever. And she's in there and she's alone and the door opens. I mean, it's at night. It's dimly lit. Uh, 
utilizing that, it would have been, it would have elevated the fear and the atmosphere, which is what Halloween is all about, uh, to the 10th degree. I mean, it just would have been so, um, emotionally satisfying. And then when he goes out to the car and opens the trunk and puts on the mask, you can, I do like the shot. I like the creative decision to shoot through the back window, but it's during the day. Mm-hmm. And it's broad daylight and you see all of him, which obviously was the intention. And we know what he looks like. There's no reason to hide him anymore. And fans can, and I get that. I understand that, but that's not what I would have done because the last time we saw him in that mask was at night in the dark. And I would have wanted to sort of remind people of that again. And when he puts on the mask, he closes the trunk and maybe there's only one light from a street, you know, uh, post lamp, you know, um, street lamp. Post street post whatever the hell I'm trying to say street light yeah. you know shining down upon his face only on one side of his face and the other side is maybe not complete blackness but you don't really see it very well and there he is looking through the back of the windshield and it's like oh now that's the shape you yeah. know and and it's little things like that are those fanboy expectations maybe it's semantics maybe it depends on how you look at it but I think about to me that's character continuity. Well, right? to, to me, the, those things are no-brainers when you're talking about Halloween. To give a different perspective, Christian, Christian is a nightmare guy. You know, Nightmare on Elm mm. Street, Freddy is his guy. And don't mm-hmm. worry, I, I'm going to ask you about something Freddy-related in a little mm. bit. But Christian, you're the guy here that isn't uh, you know, a Halloween guy, as people would label us. So for you, what was oh, it God. that gave you those you – know, yeah, right. <laughs> what is it that gave you that those – those reactions you went from this is amazing to then as time went on like eh. like what do you think it was about that movie for you i mean I, I, when dave was being a little sarcastic like what do you of course they got too excited what do you mean and he's right like it's like he like everybody did get way too overhyped but i think dave could kind of agree i mean it was kind of hard not to dude 100 percent. you know what i mean yeah i mean 100 percent. when i watch it now if they were brother and sister dave She's coming for him. That's her. That's her brother. She's gonna find. Her. She's gonna find her. He's gonna I find do, her. I will say that I do. I do agree with the last part of that. I, I. I don't think the first part that they made that decision just because they wanted to bring John Carpenter back on board, and he wouldn't do it uh, if they didn't do that. I think from a story perspective, it does make sense. Now, who knows what the hell they're gonna do in Halloween ends? But I think it does make sense um, because. You know, you have, if you have Halloween 2, and they've already done this, they did it with H2O, and they just ignored everything. They never found his body, you know, and that's sort of just a throwaway line. He's not burned. His, his, right. you know, his eyes are fine. I mean, you know, and we're just supposed to take it and, uh, you know, shut up and sit down and eat your popcorn and, you know, don't ask any questions. Um, but I don't think that was the case here. I, I think it was purely a logistical sort of thing when it comes to story that we don't want to make another H2O. Um you know, we want to go back and do sort of a legacy sequel, which is what it really is to the original Halloween, a tribute in some ways, uh, pretending that to never happened. And when you do that, you're able to make him a man again, because he is a man, you know, he's, he's a man with a supernatural element to him. There's something there that's not, you know, so you can go back to that, which is important and you can get rid of the sister arc, which tends to, you know, cause a lot of issues a lot of people like it because it's embedded into the pop culture zeitgeist it's just how we have come to know it. i get it i understand it um but it's not 
needed when you go back to the original Halloween. And and I think ultimately that was, it was a story decision because Jason Blum has said many times that when he spoke to John Carpenter trying to get him back on board, one of the last things he said to him before he left his office was, John, they're going to make this movie with you or without you. You know, so I, I think he, he, it was going to be made whether he was on board or not. Uh, but Jason said, you know, we, we really want you on board. You can do the music and, you know, money, 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 money. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, he was like, all right, let's do it. And it was an opportunity to work with his son and his godson, you know, do the music and all that kind of stuff. So I really think it was a, a story thing. Um, but I agree with you that if you had Halloween 2 as canon, hypothetically, it does bode well more for the uh and again everybody is different who am i to say that you can't you know that can't experience that night and not be a basket case for the next you know 40 years i mean everybody is different everybody i i can believe it because i know that people respond to psychological trauma uh in many different ways you know and what could affect me and i could get over it you know in a year might not be the case with her you know, we don't know what happened. We don't know if she never, maybe she never got therapy. Her parents were not supportive. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can sort of fill in the gaps for ourselves and go, well, you know, maybe, maybe. And I, I got to pose a question to both of you guys. Do you think that part of that also is that maybe somewhere deep down as an actress, Jamie Lee Curtis struggles to separate herself sometimes from I am not his sister? Like, do you think there are ever times like while they've been making these new movies where it's like, on screen, she comes across as so resentful and so traumatized by this this shape. But in canon where we are now, the history is nowhere near as deep as it was 15, 15 years ago when she'd been in multiple movies and they were supposed to be related. But do you think at times – she's a fantastic actress, but – She's just great. Yeah, it's not you know a knock on her ability, but do you think like mentally sometimes it is like it's just easier to get in that place when she thinks about it like oh it's Michael Myers again coming after me you know what I mean like I feel like sometimes that does play a little bit into it of like I think sorry no go ahead I, go. I was gonna ramble anyways okay I was just gonna say I think it has more to, uh, I'm gonna say the short answer I'm gonna say probably not I think it's in the writing. But I think what happens is, is that because she has played Laurie Strode in several different iterations over the last 40 years, it's difficult for fans to separate. And that's what it comes down to is that it's extremely difficult for fans to separate this Laurie that we're seeing, having not experienced all those things from part two, H2O, resurrection. You know, it's very difficult. That's why I often say when people want Danielle Harris to come back and play, you know, I don't care. She can buy, you know, I, I don't care. She can be Jamie Lloyd, but it's not the same Jamie Lloyd. Yes, Danielle Harris could come back and play Jamie Lloyd, but four and five and six do not exist. So if she comes back and plays Jamie Lloyd, it would be an alternate reality Jamie Lloyd and all those things that that character went through in four, five and six, which are the things you're emotionally attached to. When you think of the character, that's what you think of, do not exist. So that character you're watching on screen, the nostalgia comes from knowing that it's not just the same actor. The nostalgia comes from knowing that that character has had all those experiences and you're seeing that character again, but it's not. Yeah. It's a different Jamie Lloyd. It's an, it's the same in name only. So, so I think, yes, I think a lot of this comes from the fans and I think it's, it's hard for the fans to separate. If there was never a Halloween two, if there was never a, uh, 
Halloween H2O or a resurrection, I think it would be easier to separate and uh, maybe see this as a bit more believable for some well, fans. Let me ask you yeah. this, Dave. And I think you were close to saying you were going to agree with me, but it's her performance with not them not being related one night 40 years ago. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's a bit much. Yeah, well, right? that's... Well, I mean, that's what I, I said. Understand I understand it's I, cinematic. I get what you're it's, saying. But... It's cinematic, but I don't. I don't think that's her. I think that's in the writing. Um, you know, know, because yeah, she she's being written to to perform that way. If if she's overselling it, then it's David Gordon Green's job to say pull it back a bit, right? She's um, not going to tell him that. She, you know what I mean? I think she's going to look at Jamie Lee like I'm not going to tell this broad what to do. <laughs> well, I, I, well, but that's the director's job. And yeah. if David Gordon Green is not going to to do that, well, that's on him. Uh, that's your job. Uh, your job is to direct actors. And, you know, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. You don't have to be a dick about it. But you just got to go in and say, hey, Jamie, loved it. Really good. Can we dial it back just a little bit? You know, that's your job. You know, that's your job. It's your vision. And if the vision's not being met, well, then what the hell are you doing on set? Um, so, uh, but I think it's more from the fans. I think, uh, I agree with you. She, she really was traumatized for sure. I do agree with that. And do I agree with, as a fan, it feels overdone because Halloween 2 doesn't exist. Yes, I agree with that. I do agree with that. Um, I think her basket case, give up my life, spend 40 years waiting for him would be easier to believe if Halloween 2 existed because you have all this other, this whole other movie with all these other murders and this direct sort of all these kills and, you know, the screaming and, you know, the parking lot and the hell oh, coming on, all that shit happened to her. It makes, it just adds to the evidence of why she would be a basket case. So I do agree with that. But like I said, I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah, you know, I'm... is it impossible? Is it impossible for her to be that way after just part one? It's not impossible, um, but it is. It's it's a little more difficult to believe. This, and this is where I'm coming from too, Dave. I, I hear everything you're saying. I agree with all of it. My what I'm really aggravated about with this. I say aggravated. I sleep well at night. Trust me. <laughs> we're just, I'm just sound aggravated because <laughs> we're talking about this. Sure. I like these movies. I, I'm sick of Jamie Lee Curtis in these damn movies. I, I wanted that Halloween Returns where he was mm. like, you know, coming out of prison or some crap. Mm -hmm. You know, it was going to be something new, Dave. I mean, mm -hmm. can you, I mean, I, I understand it. Me and Nick talked about this. Jamie Lee probably drove up that box office big time. You know, I, I she was she part of it a, for sure. Yeah. She was part of it. And I, it, it makes sense. They got to make money. I get it. But it's just like, I can't, I, I'm a fan. It's like funny. You bring, you bring that, I took my mom to see it. She mm -hmm. freaking loved it. She loved mm -hmm. it. She don't. So know. did mine. She, and you know, she, she saw the original in theaters and she loved yeah. it. Yeah. You know, mm. so it's like that. It, and, and a lot of stuff you're talking about too earlier with like, you know, shooting this at night, making Michael, making Michael more ominous, come in slowly, quick images, not quick images, but like you kind of see him, but you don't see him, but then you kind of mm -hmm. see him. Do you think a move, do you think if they made the first movie again for a 2018 audience? Would it work as well? Because you like, no. yeah, that's that's what I was getting at, and I think that's why the movie is and looks the way it does. Boom, 100%. boom, 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 boom. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But it's it's about balance, right? right? So, for example, you know, when when we did it's me, Billy, you know, um, we wanted to approach it from a perspective of, you know, we wanted to. Um, make this feel like it's black Christmas, like it's the next step in the story. 
uh, and it feels like you're living in that world again. Um, but it's, it's about balance right now. Again, maybe it's not the best example because the story's not complete and we still have, you know, this other thing that, you know, it probably would make more sense when the whole thing's done. Um, but the principle is the same, right? The thought process, it's about balance. So for example, actually a good example would be Billy. Um, one of the criticisms from some people that we got with Billy was that, well, you guys showed, showed him too much. Right. Because, well, what's showing too much? Well, I mean, showing his his leg might be too much considering how little they showed him in the original. So um, it really is sort of relative, I think. But fair enough. But the reason we ch- we never showed his face, right? We never showed his face. We never showed suddenly his face being revealed or anything like that. But that was one of the things that the struggles we had is that, well, we don't want to just, although some fans would like it, we're not doing a black christmas fan film that is just our own version of the of the first movie we're doing you know we're doing a direct sequel we're making a professional short independent film you know with a professional cast and crew and you know we're shooting on the area alexa and you know we i mean this this thing's got to be as the kids say today lit i don't know they still say lit i don't know off the chain I'm um, not trying to interrupt you, but I just wanted to say that he, he did achieve just that. Guys, if you have not checked out It's Me, Billy, I, I know a lot of people feel the same way. That it, This looks like a big budget, legitimate, like Hollywood, this shit came out of Silicon Valley type production. You, I appreciate I, that. Thank you, you. You guys really do have uh, the, the team you guys put together and what you guys did. Yes, it, that is quality filmmaking and story. I appreciate right? that. Thank you very much. Thank you. No, that means a lot. Um, uh, and again, I don't, I don't say again, for people who may not know me, I don't say that in a braggadocious way. I say that to give context of how serious we were taking it. Right. You know, we were like, no, we're going to, we got to fuck this. But one of the things was, well, how do we do Billy? You know, because we're sitting there and we're thinking, well, you know, we need to show, we need to do something more because it's the sequel and you got to continue. How do you push a character like Billy forward and reveal more of him? without revealing more of him and who he is. So we decided to show more of his physicality, right? In the rocking chair. In the first movie, you see him freak out. In the, well, you don't see him. You see through his point of view, him freak out in the attic. So you see his hands and things like that. Well, we could have done that again, but it's been done. So why don't we show now show him from the audience's you know um, perspective, freaking out. He's got long hair. Why does he have, you know, long hair? Well, I can't imagine that he would run down the street to the barber and get a haircut. I mean, it's it's just more of a representation of the 50 years of mental cognitive decay. You know, if he was like that in 1974, what is he like now? He's unkept. He's got these ratty clothes, this long hair, which was the actor's real long hair, by the way. You know, all these things. And and so we decided to kind of show that. And then when he's carrying Sam down the hall and, the you know, it, it's it's the physicality of it. But you never really see him. You know, and so that was now that doesn't mean people are going to like it. That's a creative decision we made, but it was intentional. There was thought behind it. We really talked about it. It's not, you know, we didn't make arbitrary decisions. You know, we really thought about, you know, the, um, uh, the character and, and the previous movie and the series and, you know, what does this mean? What are we going to do? And, and that's what I, th- and not that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride didn't do that. Um, but just some of the creative decisions, uh, they made, I just wouldn't have made. So, um, it really is about, I forget. Were we talking about something else? I forget now. There was a, I don't know. a question, we, yeah, I think. It's all good. I'm just no. going off. Well, let me give you another example while we're on 18. I've talked about this you know, um, before on my channel. But another thing that I think 
that I would have done a bit differently is um, Vicky's death scene, right? You probably heard yeah. me talk about this before, but for your listeners who haven't, um, Vicky, now this isn't the fault of David Gordon Green, um, but obviously in the marketing, we know that Vicky is going to die. We know when she's going to die. We know how she's going to die. So that's unfortunate. So immediately when you're introduced to that character, you're like, ah, but that's, that's out of his hands. Um, you know, you have the character of Vicky go over to the closet. She tries to close it and then she opens it and there he is. Okay. That's one way of doing it for sure. But does it really utilize the character effectively? Oh, I know what we were talking about. We were talking about would Halloween 78 work today? Um, right. So this kind of leads into what I'm um, saying. And uh, what I would have done is I would have, instead of Julian asking to close the closet door, I would have written it asking him to turn on the closet light. Because kids, I know he's got a little night light in his room, but maybe he wants extra light, right? So she goes over, she opens the closet, and she tries to turn. Now, you can have it two ways. You can have her turn on the light, and boom, there he is. Or you can have her try to turn on the light, and it doesn't work. So she turns around, she's like, Julian, do your parents have any light bulbs around? I think, And as she's having this conversation with him on the bed, you slowly start, I mean, it, it would depend on how deep the closet is, but hey, it's Michael Myers. You slowly start to see the mask emerge from behind her. You know, again, playing into Michael Myers, not not one is right or wrong, but it's just little things like that, that I missed opportunities that I think are like, oh, yeah, you can open the closet door and he's just there. But like, can't we noodle this a bit and, and, and kind of play with it a little bit and kind of build it up a little bit? It's just little things like that that I, I saw. I saw a lot of missed opportunities. And, and Christian and I agree with this, and then it's going to lead into the next thing is just like it, it, I'm totally in lockstep with you. I think the three of us all agree is like the problem with Halloween 2018 is that they spent two years telling us this shit is the continuation to the original. And then you watch it and you're like – Halloween 2 was a better continuation of the original than this one. So, no, you did not keep your your word on that. So, whatever, regardless. But um, then, two, you know, two years later, I think it was two years because of COVID. Oh, God, yeah, technically two years, but it came out three years. Um, it's hard to believe. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Halloween Kills comes out. Mm. And for me personally, I had a much better time with the movie and so did Christian. And for mm -hmm. me, it was because this time they didn't try to sell me on that bullshit of we're making the continuation. They were like, okay, you're now playing in our sandbox and we're just going to give you whatever comes out of the sandbox. And to me, it was very, it was very fun. It was very upbeat. It was more like an action movie. And you know what? Michael Myers for even all the detractors of that movie movie they say michael myers is on one in that movie as the kids say that dude is turned up to like 12 so he is i loved that christian for you was that the same reason why you gravitate toward kills more just because it was like fuck it let's stop trying to be beholden to carpenter and let's just do our thing like yeah i guess so i mean it was fun i like i like i'm a gore guy so like i I don't I don't really care to see the first movie done ever again. That's that's just me. I just want to be entertained for the most part. And especially after 18, I'm like, whatever. It was funny, you know, I was talking to somebody today. This movie kind of feels like a like like a like a like a what's what's the phrase I'm looking for? Like a stop gap or something now, because not a yes. whole lot really happens. And I'm assuming Dave could probably Dave, does this movie almost seem like Universal was like 
hey, it made way too much money. I need two more. So whatever you wrote, stretch it out or something. Does, does it feel like that to you it's now? It's filler. I think so. Yeah. Oh, well, like um, certainly Halloween 18, uh, according to David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, they had – uh, and again, you know, because we're not privy to the information, there might be some nuance that, you know, we're missing. But so the story goes, they were going to shoot. Um, I don't know if it was going to be the Halloween Kills story necessarily, uh, if it would have turned out like Halloween Kills, but they were going to shoot two movies at once. And they decided to not do that, kind of like what we do with Billy, I guess. Right. And they decided to just kind of, uh, you know, do the first thing first. Obviously, they have way more on the line than we do with Billy. They're making money. Um, so they thought, let's just do this and see how it goes. And then if it's really successful, we'll, you know, we'll do more. Uh, it was very successful. Highest grossing slasher in motion picture history, 254 or five million dollars at the worldwide box office, huge opening of like 78 million or whatever. Um, it's insane. Absolutely insane. So obviously a sequel was inevitable. It didn't need a sequel, by the way. Um, I mean, very few movies need sequels, but it, it, I felt it ended a bit abruptly, but it does feel like, okay, well, Michael's, okay, it's over. Um, but nonetheless, of course, a sequel was inevitable. Two sequels were coming. Halloween kills, Halloween ends. Um, yeah, it, it does feel a little bit like filler. Um, I, I'm not a fan of this movie, um, although I think I gave the wrong impression when I first saw it. I was able to see it at a screening uh, a few days before it was released to the public with Bruce. We went down here in Toronto and, and saw it. And I did have, a, I will say this, I enjoyed, and I've been very clear on this, at least I think I have, I enjoyed my experience of watching the movie more than I enjoyed my experience of watching 18. And I think it's because, to the point that you guys have been talking about, I think, you know, now that the cat's out of the bag, they've done their legacy sequel, right? Doing their best to try and do David Gordon Green, but also add a little Carpenter in there. And, you know, now he can, maybe the the chains are off and he can kind of do his own thing. Um, and with a title like Halloween Kills, I mean, you know, you're not going to get too much theater of the mind. So uh, I was I was prepared for that. I was like, you know what? I just want to walk in. And I said this. I just want to walk in, treat it like an amusement park ride. Just go in, have some fun, you know, just whatever. It is what it is. I want to have some fun. And I did. I had a lot of fun. That doesn't mean that I thought the movie was good or that I thought the movie didn't have problems. Um, but in my initial tweet uh, and my initial video with Bruce... As we were walking back from the theater to Dundas Square, which is like Toronto's Times Square, mm -hmm. not as big, but it's like that with all the lights and the billboards and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we had said to each other, we said, uh, so how do you want to do this? You want to go to, you know, okay, you know, I want to go back to the square and then we'll set up and we'll do a live stream. And okay, cool, 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 cool. And I was like, should we talk about all the kind of crappy things? <laughs> you know, and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, let's not, let's not, you know, we're not disappoint people. I mean, you know, it's, it's opening in two days. Let's talk about the things we like. So that's why we talked about the mask and we talked about some of the kills were kind of fun. And, and that's why you heard me say things like, I really enjoyed this experience. I enjoy this. And I think it gave people, some people, not everybody, the wrong impression because when I started to kind of dive into it, like really deeper, it looked like I was changing my mind or backtracking, which I wasn't doing at all. I just was now talking about all of it now that it's been released. So I think this movie has problems in the writing and structure. I think it's a very wonky film. 
Um, I think the hospital stuff is, is strange. I think the overselling, the over, there's a lot of overacting in this film, uh, right from Andy Matichuk's, what? You know, uh, to, uh, you know, evil dies tonight to, um, you know, <laughs> the ironing board lady, pizza, the iron, there you go. Uh, how many times people say 40 years ago, uh, it, it just feels, um, it feels like they're too self-aware that they're in a Halloween movie. Oh, but so Dave. there's like little boxes and checks and and things. And I didn't particularly like. It's just the structure was off. It felt it. It just was the hospital stuff. Just did not land for me at all. And then we go off on this side excursion with this guy who I don't know how you can mistake him for Michael Myers. He looks like Danny DeVito. Rest in peace. I know the actor, not Danny DeVito, but I know the actor yeah. who played him did die. Uh, so I don't mean I don't mean any disrespect. I just mean that you know it's he looked like uh, Danny DeVito. <laughs> he did. It's kind of like how do you you know but. I get the social commentary that they were trying to implement about mob mentality and misinformation, but it's like, and I think this comes heavily from Jamie Lee Curtis because, and it's just my assumption because she's a very strong social activist for this kind of thing. Um, it's just leave it out, leave it out of it. It's, it's a Halloween movie. I know horror movies have had social commentary since the get go, but it's just not working here. Uh, at least it didn't, I don't know what sort of social commentary or what continued social commentary they're going to implement in Halloween ends. Uh, I'm sure there will be some, I just hope it works better. So I wasn't a big fan of the movie. I, I thought it was a, a, a big step down. Now the kills, Michael was great. The kills were great. It was a lot of fun. You know, again, not, you know, we're seeing a lot, but I get it. I totally get it. I understand it. I was prepared for it. It's 2021, you know, back then when we saw, I get it, right? I'm not expecting, you know, I'm not going to bitch and complain because I get it. I understand it. I just want to have some fun. So I have some fun. So I enjoyed the kills. I thought the, uh, the cinematography was great and, you know, the fireman scene and all that. And, and uh, I really liked the, uh, the death scene of the, um, couple. And, be- and the reason for that is because we were the, we were it, it was a bit more nuanced. It was a, it, it it slowed down a bit. Mm-hmm. So I love that the camera's placed beside her shoulder, and we're just watching Michael stab the guy like a pincushion, you know. And, and we're not cutting. We've slowed things down, and it's very and he's out of focus, right? They don't rack focus, you know, to show him in focus. They you know they just stay there, as if we're her. It's not a POV shot, but it, it's kind of like where her eyes and he's out of focus and it's just really, really well done. So the Michael stuff is really good. Wasn't crazy on the humor that they tried to bring with Big John and Little John. It felt a little kind of out of place at times with me, although there were some cute moments there. Um, but I think the best thing about the movie, of course, is the flashback. I think from a technical logistical achievement, I think that I was outstandingly and, and done. The flashback in the extended edition is even better because you mm-hmm. get some extended stalking shots that I have no idea why they took out. One of my favorite shot scenes in the entire extended cut is when Lonnie sees him standing beside the bush and then he's gone and Lonnie right. goes back there and the score is so ominous and creepy. Right. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, why would you cut this out of the movie? Right. I got a guess. Why? I have a guess because there's none other. There's no other shit like that in this movie or the last one. So yeah. I have it now. You but that I mean? is yeah, the '78 type shit. That right. was a '78. Well, that, hey, that train's already right. left, baby. It you know? makes you. It <laughs> makes you wonder. And of course, it's 
too late to go back and do this, although you never say never, fast forward five years, but it makes you wonder yeah, no kidding. what what would have happened at the box office if you had introduced not a direct sequel to Halloween 1. Well, yes, a direct sequel to Halloween 1, but an alter, well, I guess it is, but an, an alternate Halloween 2 set in 1978 and, you know, made it a period piece. And, and really sort of, instead of fast forwarding 40, now you'd have to recast, of course, or what you could do is you could have it a mixture, right? You could have Lori as she is today telling the story, you know, or something, or there's something I haven't told you. There's more, there's, there's, yeah. And maybe she says, there's more to that night. There's more to the 78 night. What do you mean? Well, this is what happened. I thought you went to the hospital and did no. This is what actually happened. Exactly. And you could really play into that. And, and, and so you, you, you kind of tip your hat to Halloween too. Like they tried to do in 18 where it's like, I thought they were brother and sister. Now that's just some, some, you know, rumor people made up, but you could have Lori be in control of it and have her say, people thought I went to the hospital that night, but I did whatever, right? You could just have a different, an alternate part two set in 1978 and then shoot it and make it look like the flashback. And, and of course, now that becomes very expensive because now it's a period piece. So you're not just shooting in, in front of the Myers house. Now everywhere has got to look like 1978. So Fair it enough. becomes a little more expensive, but, um, I don't know. Hey, that yeah, sounds great. Dude. Has the money. I mean, that sounds yeah. so, that, so, this is, you know, Dave, it's really, and you, I, I don't, I don't want to bitch anymore about it. It's not just the brother sister thing. I, how I feel she's a little too much with the movie. I've, I've seen, even though I hadn't seen the movie yet, like when I got done, it's like, dude, I've already seen this movie, despite mm. the fact that it's 2018 and glossy. Now, what you just said, dude, that sounds so, that sounds so cool. It'd be you know? interesting. It and is I, interesting. I, and, uh, one of the things about this is that I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Halloween H2O did 2018 better in a sense of 2018 is a better movie overall structurally. I'll never argue that H2O because it's not it's actually one of my least favorite in the series. But as far as Laurie Strode as a character and what this has done to her it seen it, and maybe that is because of the pop culture knowledge of brother sister and halloween 2 being canon but that just worked so much better for me that when then we got 2018 i'm like i've seen a lot of this movie already and and i feel like it's just less believable now than it was then right right yeah no i understand i i think um I'm not a big fan of H2O. Um, I, I don't hate it. I don't think it's the worst in the series by any stretch of the imagination. That's, but that's I, Halloween 5, right? Just, just uh, leave it. 5 no. and res, probably Resurrection. I mean, I, I dump on 5 a lot because it's fun because I think more people like 5 than like Resurrection. So I always like to get people going, Dave. Uh, <laughs> but, um, what's the, what is the hollow, when you read your comments, I'm sorry, what are the Halloween, the Halloween fans sound like to you when you read their shit. What's that Bart Simpson voice you were doing just now? No, well, <laughs> um, well, it's it's. Um, I don't usually get these kinds. It's usually messages. So I have a Facebook page. Many things, oh, Dave McRae. And uh, it's not my personal page. It's the page that is dedicated to my channel. And. Often I will not, and, and again, as I always say, like 90, 95% of the people and messages are, are fantastic, right? I mean, it's not like I'm getting 10 of these a day. Um, but every so often when I put up what 
could be perceived as a controversial video in the Halloween community. Uh, you know, like me dumping on Halloween five or, you know, pointing something out, whatever, uh, you know, it's, I will get several messages from people trying to correct me or tell me what a moron I am or, you know, whatever, but it's usually, it's a DM to me. It's usually not in the comments. So, I mean, I will see them from time to time, but YouTube usually picks it up as spam because they'll use some word like fucking dick and shit or something. And then it goes into my <laughs> spam box and they accuse me of deleting it. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, you know, I, that's just a voice that I do to just, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm having fun. I'm, I'm, I'm busting people's balls. I'm just teasing, you know, and, um, but yeah, sometimes it can be, sometimes people send me and I appreciate the passion. I really do. But sometimes people send me long diatribes of, oh. you know, without, you know, without paragraphs, you know, and I, I'm just like, guys, I, I, I can't read this. Like, I, I don't have you, the time to read this, you know? When you say, I appreciate the passion, is that your way of saying some of you guys are fucking insane? <laughs> Can we call well, it? Well, actually, you know, you no, know, because I do appreciate it. I mean, they, they, they're they passionate about a movie they love. They don't like that I don't like it. But I think some people just need to take a breath and understand that it's not really that they don't like what I'm saying. It's that they don't like how I'm saying it. Yep. You know, so if I just said, I don't like Halloween five, I wouldn't get any DMS, but if I go Halloween five is dog shit, it's absolute. What the hell is you think that's going to, and they look at that and they go, look at this pompous, arrogant, goddamn prick. I'm going to fucking mess with that bastard, you little son of a bitch. I'm going to get this. And that's what happens, right? When they don't understand that, you know, I mean, yes, I, but I'm, I'm overselling it for entertainment. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be theatrical because that's who I am, you know, so try not take me seriously, but don't take me too seriously. I'm just you having fun. You got to do it though, Dave. Do do your thing, man. One of Dave's things always is, but Dave, do but it. But Dave, yeah, yeah, it's I say it all the time. It's crazy. He's That's like, I get the, in the com- he's like, he'll go, and I know in the comments, you guys are gonna start going, but Dave. And I'm well, it's like, funny because because people used to when I first started the channel, people I would preface a lot. I think I still do, depending on what I'm talking about. But I would, I would get made fun of, not in a serious way, you know, like a teasing way, uh, because I was fairly new and people would be like, why, why are you like, why do you say like, generally speaking, or at the end of the day, or for all intents and purposes, or, you know, and I'm like, because if I don't, there's a lot of people, again, not so much anymore, because I think people know how I operate. But in the beginning, like in 2017 and 18, I would get messages and comments from people completely taking my words out of, and I'm like, no, 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 I don't mean literally everybody, you know, I mean, I don't mean literally, I, you know, it's, it's, I, and that's where I, you know, you'll often, you know, hear me talk about nuance and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, but I guess when you're being theatrical and over the top, uh, you know, people can, it's dog shit. Well, not literally, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just my way of saying, I don't yeah. like it, you know? Well, and it, so, isn't it, isn't it great when they point out the things that we do all the time? I say all the time, but I digress and people bring that shit up to me <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, I know I say it a lot. I don't even know I'm saying it right alone. So yeah, I right. mean, Christian, you have one of those things that you say a lot that people will be like, Oh, this is Christian's thing. Probably. I don't know what I say. I can't think of it. No, I feel like you're pretty well spoken when you do yours. See, when I do videos, sometimes I just shoot from the hip most of the time. Mm-hmm. I don't take notes. I'm just going. Yeah. And 
and I feel like Dave, you're probably very similar. I, I feel like, I think all three of us are, but what, for whatever it is, Christian, you're not, you just don't get as like tongue tied and animated as I might. Um, and so, but yeah, it's all, I always say I, but I digress, but I digress. And people are like, they'll literally well, if go in the any, if there's anybody that digresses, it's me. I mean, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a talker as your viewers couldn't see on this uh, show. Oh, we, um, we all are. We both are. Christian and I have gone well <laughs> over two hours before because we're just bullshit. So you're amazing. Now, Dave, amazing. You, you've got the, you've got the two dudes and bullshit show you do. And it's like, I it's do. basically like, it's like a, I've watched, it's like a pot. You call it a podcast. Right. Yeah. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I guess it's uh, it's uh, it's a podcast. Yeah. I I, it's Tony, Michael and I, Tony lives in Atlanta and uh, he was doing the Halloween shit back in 2017 and 18. And then he sort of got really busy and he wasn't able to keep up. And and uh, I met him through I think I had seen he was live one day and I just was chatting to him. He seemed like a nice guy. And and we're very we have similar tastes and interests, but we're also very opposites as well. And in in some respects and uh it makes for a good show exactly and and uh so we thought hey let's just do a let's just i don't know let's do a show talk about movies and stuff and then that transitioned into a watch along and now it's kind of half and half we'll watch some movies we'll talk about some stuff and and uh yeah 153 episodes now so it's uh yeah it's great did the pod do, do doing the show like that for you? Like just, you know what this has turned into for me, Dave, it's just, I'm so grumpy now. Do it. Like, I just feel like when I do these podcasts, I just want to bitch and piss <laughs> and moan and just, just get every, whatever I hate. I just got to let everybody, does, does that kind of do that for you too? Or do you kind of try to t- stop yourself and say, you know what? I got to keep an audience here. Um, it depends, you know, it depends if I can make it theatrical and funny. Um, if I, if there's something about it, you know, again, I try to, I don't try, I actually do. I steer away obviously from the, from the really hot topics like politics and all that kind of stuff and the shit going on in the world. But if there's something in entertainment that I, you know, like, well, for example, like the most recent Avatar video I did, right? I'm, I'm a big Avatar fan unapologetically. And I knew putting that out there, but it's funny though. In the video, I say, I, I call out sort of the, the, uh, 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 stereotypical avatar responses, right? Dances with wolves, Pocahontas, and I'm doing that, all this kind of stuff. Not one comment about that in the comment section, but there are people that are trying to tell me it's Pocahontas in space without trying to tell me it's Pocahontas in space because they don't want to, <laughs> because oh, they've yeah. been called out. So, you know, now they're like, well, it's just not, original and i just feel that it's kind of some movie in space and i just like they don't want to kind of you know it's just funny it's it's just funny and i you know i like to have fun that way too because i know i know you know it's 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 going to uh you know affect the audience but again i'm an actor you know i'm a performer and i can't be on camera without doing that you know it's uh and again you 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 know you're not like that all the time every right. 5 seconds because there's no credibility there but if there's some you know hot button thing or you know there's a halloween 5 thing or whatever and yeah it's fu- it's fun to get, it's 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 fun to get animated yeah, yeah. And, and guys, we're we're not going to talk Halloween ends because we could talk hours for Halloween ends. You know, if you want to know Dave's thoughts and predictions on Halloween ends, he has plenty of videos. He's done a lot of coverage on the movie on his channel, as have I. Christian and I have talked about it on the podcast. Obviously, that train is about to ramp up because if I had to guess, I don't have a source, but if I had to guess, that first trailer is probably going to be attached to the black phone at the end of ju- at the end of June. 
I would think that would follow the formula, the end of June, beginning of July, dropping the first trailer. It's a Blumhouse horror movie. I think that I, makes sense. Right. I would say that that's a, a, a good bet. Um, I would say that, um, uh, yeah, I think it, it may drop, uh, before that, like, you know, whenever the black phone is, say it's released on the Friday, you, 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 if it is going to be attached to the black phone, you may get the trailer on the Tuesday or something. That's, mm-hmm. that's entirely possible. I'm, what I'm curious about is if it's going to be the CinemaCon trailer that was shown there or if it's yes. going to be something new because i think although halloween fans will eat up anything they can get their hands on but if it is the CinemaCon trailer which it could be it could very well be that it's ready to go it's locked loaded ready to go um i have a feeling that some fans may be disappointed because we it's more of a um from what i my understanding it's it's more of a sort of it's a teaser and most of the teaser is showing clips from past films and, and then you get to the end where there's, I don't know, 30 seconds or something, or maybe even less, probably less of this little battle with Michael and Lori in the kitchen. And then that's it. So it doesn't really show anything to Halloween ends. And wouldn't you guys love that? Yeah. I would. Yes. For for sure. Past two marketing campaigns. It would be exactly opposite. And then people will be dissecting that kitchen scene. Although one thing I will say is interesting that I'm surprised. I, maybe you guys have talked about it, but I haven't heard anybody talk about it. When the transcript of, of, of what uh, was released at CinemaCon came out, um, there was a big focus on what does Michael Myers mask look like? What does the mask look like? What does the mask look like? What does the mask look like? And people talking about, do you think that happens at the beginning of the movie? Do you think that they're, that's just them fighting at the beginning? Or do you think that's later in the movie? And I sat there and I thought to myself, well, somebody, what the hell was Lori wearing? Don't be so, who cares about the mask? Because if Lori is wearing the same getup she wore at the end of Kills, well, then that probably is, you know, the prologue. And that's, and that's her, maybe that fight scene takes place in the Myers house kitchen. I don't know. You know, like, I mean, there's, what is she wearing? You know, there's this, there's this focus on the mask, but if, if you, he wears the same thing all the time, you know, what is she wearing? Uh, and there is somebody I could reach out to and, and ask because he was at, CinemaCon, but it's been what you know a month and a bit now or something like that i I don't know if he would remember i should have asked him uh right when it was released because he may have remembered but that's what i find interesting so i just have a feeling that i'm gonna love it if they don't show too much but i have a feeling because we have all in our minds we already know of that teaser um, if that is the one that is released it'll be great to see it you know because wow we can see this fight Ooh, ooh, oh that's kind of cool but it might be disappointing for some because I think that because there's been nothing of this movie, the teaser trailer will ultimately also give you nothing, you know? Yeah. So I think some yeah. fans will be disappointed if, if they decide to go with that. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, and like I said, we will talk about the, this topic at nauseum as the months go on on all of our channels, I'm sure. And, and people are going to get more than their fill of Halloween and stuff, but for we sure, we don't. We don't want to speculate too much. I just will say one thing: Christian and I, Christian reached out to me um, right before Kills came out, about a week before Kills came out. He goes, mm-hmm. "Dude, 
have you ever like really looked into the lyrics for uh hunter's moon like mm. and i'm like no i haven't really looked at them he's like dude these lyrics are really making me think we're gonna get some gnarly shit in this movie and then i go through the lyrics and it's like he's talking about coming home and his sister and the gravestone and everything and i'm like oh my god my you know where my mind went he's gonna dig judith up He's going to dig her mm. body up. He's going to, or he's going to take the headstone again and put it in Maybe. the bedroom. Like there's so many things there. That I just want to know really quick from you, Dave, where do you, what do you think this explanation is going to be? Cause we're going to get one and whether we want to or not, we're going to get some kind of, even if it's a loose explanation of like, this is kind of his driving force. Where, where do you even pontificate? They would go with that. Well, um, it's difficult because fans tend to read a lot into things, a lot into things. Um, it's difficult to know what is hyperbole and what it, you know, for marketing to build things up. Um, and what is, I mean, because fans tend to take things very literally. That's just the world we live in nowadays, right? A movie is either a 10 out of 10 or it's zero. There's no nuance anymore. I mean, I could say, I could give a movie a seven out of 10 and somebody could say, Oh, I guess he didn't like it. I'm like, what do you mean? He didn't like it. It was seven out of 10. It's a fantastic score. Seven out of 10. It's seven great. Out of 10. But it's not yeah. 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. So fans take to, you know, when, when somebody asks Jason Blum on Twitter, when is the Halloween ends trailer coming? And Jason Blum says soon, you know, and people lose their minds over it. I just roll Tomorrow. my eyes. Tomorrow. Yeah, ex exactly. I, I, you know, because he said that six weeks ago and we don't have the trip, but people take it like, Oh my God. There's something I always call political cinematic rhetoric. And it's just stuff that producers say and filmmakers say and studio executives say to the, or statements they release, public sort of formal statements that isn't lying. It's not lying, but it's, it's, you know, it's poetic sometimes. And it's kind of just trying to keep, just to shut people up, you know, and, uh, and he's not wrong. Whether it comes out tomorrow or two months from now, he's right. It's soon. So, you know, it's a, it's, try not to read so much into it. So I think fans tend to read a lot into, uh, you know, these statements of it's going to make you angry. And I've talked about it on my channel. It's going to make you angry. It's going to do this, but you know, Reflecting on it, Jamie Lee Curtis also said that Halloween Kills was a masterpiece. <laughs> and so, it's a fucking masterpiece, Dave. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> you know, you, she, her job, she's an executive producer. Her job is to, and I'm not saying she doesn't truly believe that, but, you know, some of these things can be hyperbole and some of these things can, can be said for the effect and to keep you, you know, to, to, to keep the hype going, right? You know, oh, maybe, oh, I don't know, soon, oh, you never know. And people go, ooh, you know, it's like, it's like adults talking to children, you know, and, and you, 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 you know, you don't lie, but you, you know, you play a game and you try to keep the feelers out there and keep the hype up and keep the mystery and the mystique going. And because that's what it's all about. It's marketing. It's a form of marketing. And so, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but to answer your question, um, I think it would be a mistake, first and foremost, to reveal anything about Michael Myers. Agreed. He his his whole identity is built around the, the you know this idea of an enigma, the mystique, the ambiguity, the mystery. That is who Michael Myers is. The not knowing the why, I think, is 
built into his DNA, at least the original intent of the character. Obviously, when part two came around, that was thrown out the window, and then four and five and six, and you know what. But when you say you're going back to the original intent of the character, there's reasons why you're doing that. There's a reason why you eliminated all the garbage, you know, sequels. John Carpenter, and I quote, when he was asked during the uh, press junkets for Halloween 18, so why did you decide to kind of remove all the sequels and blah, blah, blah? He goes, have you seen them? You know, that's what he said on the, I mean, you know, have you seen them implying they're dog shit, you know? So why would you then go back and implement a motive of some sort or a reason, which is part of the reason why you went back to do this movie in the first place is to negate all that. I don't think it's necessary. And I think that Michael works best. He has a shelf life. The foundation of the character was built around that. uh, And he's, it's the mystique is what keeps us fans so enamored with this character, the why, the why, the why, because we always feel like even subconsciously we're on the cusp of knowing that why. Now you can have the characters in the movie, you can have them contemplating about it, talking about it. Why do you think he's doing it? And maybe, you know, it feels like the character are, you know, they're on the cusp of knowing and, Oh my God, we're going to know. And, but ultimately we as the audience should never ever no, it should never be revealed. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that to your point, Nick, that that, that isn't the thing that might make people angry. I, um, but it could be. It could be. And uh, I, I just hope that it isn't. Yeah. I mean, fingers crossed that they don't they don't go too far off the deep end there. Because, again, if the intent is to make the true follow ups to the original movie, well, then then Michael is a shape with no motive and he's just evil and that's just what he is and the more you try to explain him although i know today's audiences seem to need to be spoon-fed everything or at least hollywood thinks that audiences need that but we don't actually need that shit so you know but again i'm going to use my line i digress so christian um you know we're wrapping up here um i want to say first and foremost Thank you so much for for coming on to here, Dave. I mean, I, I no problem, very, man. Thanks for having me. It's been yeah. very insightful. I mean, I, I've I've watched you for years, so you know it's it's been really Appreciate cool to that. be able to talk to you and and bounce things off of you and just get an insight into your life. And I didn't want to talk too much about. I I wanted to talk more about you because we wanted to bring you on here so people that may not know you now can be introduced to you and get a little insight into your life. Even though if you guys really want to know more, Dave is very open on his channel about a lot of his experiences in the industry, just in life. So there's always uh, I just want to say, Dave, let people know where can they find you at? Well, they can find me. I mean, if you just YouTube Dave McRae, McRae is M-C-R-A-E. Uh, I think I pop up. I think I'm the, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I, I think uh, when you YouTube my name, I'm the channel that pops up. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at The Voice Man. Man has two ends. The reason for that is because The Voice, it was my my website for voiceover is thevoiceman.com. And when I was getting that site 15 years ago or whatever it was, uh, the voice man with one N was taken. So I just added an extra N and there you go. So there's really no reason for the extra N. Um, but anyway, on Twitter, I'm at the voice man with two N's on Instagram. I'm Dave McRae 79, I believe. And, um, on Facebook, it's many things, Dave McRae. I do have a personal Facebook account, but I don't add people. I don't know. Uh, that's just for, you know, 
personal friends, family, things like that. The many things Dave McRae page is, is, uh, if you follow me there, uh, I post there all the time. So, um, and then yeah, website, thevoiceman.com. And, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Uh, Christian, I, I want to ask you really quick. Uh, well, I want to say we, we've had uh, Piz Owl on here many times. Piz Owl is a good friend of Christian's and then obviously someone I've watched forever. And then Lee, you know, Drum Dums, obviously I know you know Lee. We've had him on for sure. a number of times. So um, we would I, – I think I speak for both of us. Would you agree, Christian? I would absolutely love to have Dave on here again, especially after Halloween Ends comes out. I think that that would be, sure, yeah, it'd be great. something that would be great to talk about. But, Christian, is there anything you got for, for Dave before we head out this time? Not, I think we're – honestly, a lot of the stuff I wanted to know about was, like, the physicality of doing the voiceover work and things like that. And Dave got into that. Uh, that's cool. And he told he taught me about how to get in shape. So, like, dude, I'm <laughs> – yeah. And look, let's be real. Well, you know, I mean, there's, there's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. There's me. I mean, really, you know, it's uh... Dave. Dave knows the business. He knows they want. They they want to hear him talk about Halloween. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Oh, I love talking about Halloween. Mm -hmm. And they want to hear him talk. They go, yeah, Nick, Christian, we we listen to you every fucking day. Oh, you you got Dave McRae on here. All right, you guys shut up. Like, so yeah, we. I But, you know, to our listeners, we hope you guys really enjoyed this. Again, follow Dave, subscribe to Dave if you haven't, although you're living under a rock if you're listening to us and you haven't heard of Dave. I mean, come on now. Um, so it was our pleasure, and we're, we're very, very thankful to have had you on here, and hopefully it's something we can do again. For sure, uh, for sure. I really, yeah. I really appreciate the invitation and you reaching out. Um, this was fun. This was a lot of fun, and I think you guys are great. I think you guys handled the interview well, and and you got great chemistry. And uh, yeah, I I really appreciate. It. I'd have no issues coming on again. Awesome. That's that's awesome to hear because I was gonna say one last thing. I was genuinely worried when I sent you a message. I was like, Christian, and I talk about it sometimes. I was like, I hope he doesn't big league me, but I would get it if he did. You know, if he was like, ah, yeah. But then you know, I've seen Dave on other people's channels, and I'm like, no, Dave seems like the type of guy that would do that. You know, I know you're probably a pretty busy person, as most of us just nowadays are. So it's just like. You know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. And then Christian's like, oh, you heard from him. I'm like, nah, we'll have to think of something else to do. And then Dave messages. I'm like, oh, well, hell yeah, this is great. So it's nice. They say, don't meet your heroes, but they're not all assholes. So, <laughs> oh, I'm flattered. I'm flattered. Yeah. Um, I will say that, yeah, I do. Um, I do get a lot of messages from a lot of people. And I always say that, obviously, I can't respond to everybody. Um, but if you don't hear from me and th- – if you don't hear from me, you just may not hear from me, but it's, it's never personal. Obviously it's never personal. It's not like, Oh, I'm, I'm too big and important to respond. It's not that it's just that I get a lot of messages. And that's why I always say to people that it's, um, it's a lot easier to, you know, send me a, don't send me a message that's like this, you know, send me a message like, Hey, it's a lot easier. And the reason why it took me a bit to get back to you is because it was on Instagram and I always forget to check messages on Instagram. Uh, and sometimes I go over and there's like tons of them. I'm like, Oh God, I, I, where do I begin? I, I don't know. You know, thank you. Oh, that's great. Me too. Like I just don't, there's so many. So my apologies if people have messaged me on Instagram and you haven't heard from me. Uh, it's never personal. It's just, I get to my surprise. I get a lot. I get a lot more than I thought I was going to. You got a a busy life, man. You got a lot going on. It's true. No, and, and that's fair enough. And, and it is true. You know, it is true. I'm, I'm, uh, I do have things going on and, and things like that. But, uh, yeah, when I saw your message, um, come in, 
or when I saw it, not come in, but when I saw it, I clicked on it and I was like, oh, yeah, 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 sure, no problem. This is, that is a lot of fun, sure. Yeah, I actually discovered the Slaughtered Lamb podcast because you had been on there. So when I watch your videos, every now and then it would suggest one of those that you did with them. And, I, and then I look and I go, well, they got a channel that's the size of mine, you know, 2,000 some subscribers, you know, haven't really been doing this regularly. I've had the channel for since 09, but I just recently a year Amazing. ago really started to upload. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I was like, I figured, you know, why not? And guess what? Dave, Dave, Dave is a good guy and, and we appreciate him being on here. So again, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. If you're watching on YouTube or on the audio platforms, everything like that, we really do appreciate it again, Dave, thank you for your time, your insight into the industry, a little bit about your life. And then we just had to spend most of the time talking about Halloween. Cause that's just what of course. we do, I guess. Yes. Of course. hundred percent. Well, again, thank you for having me on and to all your listeners out there. Uh, thanks for watching. This has been a production of the You Need a Horror Podcast. You need it, we got it. Thank you for listening.